Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Gendel, and on today's fantastic episode, I'm speaking with the lovely and talented Alita Norris, author of Women Who Spark, 12 Steps to Catapult Happiness, Cultivate Confidence, and Discover the Purpose of Your Life. Now, Alita is passionate about helping women find happiness, confidence, and purpose in their lives. Now, during Alita's 30 years as a business owner and coach, she's enjoyed the opportunity to help others find contentment, happiness, and a sense of value, and to help them lead productive, positive lives in the midst of daily demands and a long list of to-dos. Now, Lita's purpose in life is to be an encourager of women, and her book, Women Who Spark, is doing just that. So if you need some encouragement and confidence today and are ready to discover the purpose of your life, Stay tuned for this episode of the Daily Authors Podcast with Alita Norris. Hey, by the way, if you're ready to write your book today, you can head on over to writeabookuniversity.com forward slash free and get a free four lesson video course that'll help you on your journey to writing your book. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. All right, Alita, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you and about your book, Women Who Spark. 12 Steps to Catapult Happiness, Cultivate Confidence, and Discover the Purpose of Your Life. Thanks again for joining me, Alita. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Awesome. Well, before we start talking about your book, would you just mind telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself, your work, and what you've got going on right now? Oh, I would love to. I have a a day job, so to speak, like most people do. I co-own a leadership training, coaching, and consulting firm and have been doing leadership development work for over 30 years. I have raised five adult, five children who are all adults, most of this as a single mom, which when we get to the book will be a bit of an inspiration for that. And I currently live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with my husband, Steve, and our golden doodle, Luke, who is our favorite child of all of them. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, it sounds like you've got some great insights for us with your book, Women Who Sparks. Let's dive right in and give the listeners that high level 30,000 foot view and tell us what inspired you to write it. So Women Who Spark, as the subtitle suggests, I wrote to give women a roadmap, so to speak, to live a life that has more happiness, more confidence, and more sense of purpose. And I'm a, I'm kind of a list person. I'm a strategy person. And I, in, in my own life, the, the inspiration behind the, the book was a difficult time. And I essentially became very strategic about getting out of a difficult time. And that was 15 years ago. And some women, some, you know, women in particular can relate to this because I think most of us, when we are in our early adult life, we're pretty bright eyed and we have a pretty good sense that our life is going to go pretty well. And then unexpected twists and turns happen and we get into what I've heard referred to as the messy middle. And I really like that term a lot, the messy middle, because 
as the kids start arrive for, of course, for women who do have children and the jobs and the juggling and the, you know, the tensions in marriage and the situations with in-laws and, you know, all kinds of things that add stressors to our life, bosses that we don't like, jobs that aren't going the well the, the way that we thought they would, we get into this messy middle and life starts to feel not very happy and we start to lose our confidence and we start to wonder what in the world does all of this mean? So when I was in the worst of my messy middle, I kind of put a stake in the ground and said, one day I want to write a book. I want to use my tough experiences for good, like a lot of authors do, and one day write a book to help women, like I said, have that happiness, confidence, and sense of purpose. So 12 years later, I wrote the book, and here it is. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a great purpose, I think, very relevant to, yeah, a lot of wives. I, you know, my wife and I have four kids, so I definitely can relate. Uh, could you dive into the book a little more maybe and give us a sneak peek into any particular section or chapter that you really think might help the listener who might be in that messy middle right now? Well, sure. And it, it's really interesting to me. So the book has, it has 12 steps. And one of the steps, which is, um, it's, it's actually step number five. It's after I've helped women do a bit of exploration into who they are and how they're showing up into the world. I have a section in the book called Find Your Sparks. And the first step in that section is finding happiness in your ordinary day. But then the next step is called Cultivate Confidence. Now, what's really interesting to me is that since the book has been released, which hasn't been very long, And as the book was heading to release and some advanced copies were getting out, the chapter on cultivating confidence is what has been drawing the most attention. So I'll speak to that in a moment, but I'll add that all of the speaking events that I've been approached to be a part of, everyone has honed in on this chapter. So I dug in and started to do just a, a bit of additional research on confidence and have really come to learn that women are struggling with confidence and we don't know it because most women, for the reasons they're struggling with confidence, don't want to admit that they're struggling with confidence. So many women don't feel like they're enough. They don't feel like they belong. I've heard women talk about feeling that they will be discovered, that they're not as talented as their position or their level in an organization is suggesting that they are. And so I I have a chapter about cultivating confidence. And in this chapter, I start by sharing that I just don't think it's possible for a woman to be happy if she isn't confident, which means we've got to be working on this whole element of confidence within us. So in the chapter, I talk about confidence busters, and then I talk about confidence cultivators. And as I mentioned, you know, these things are really resonating with women. So do you want me, Erin, to go ahead and share what some of these busters and cultivators are? Definitely. Okay. One of the realities of our life that really kind of 
chip away at our confidence is the overwhelmingness that we have. So women today are so overwhelmed because of their responsibilities, both at work and at home, that they really feel like they're not doing any one thing very well. And they assume that the women around them are looking to be more put together than they are. So confidence is taking a hit simply because of the overwhelmingness of life and women's, I might even say, competitive nature. Another reality that we face right now in the world of social media is that women get caught up in this comparison trap game. So when we scroll through our Facebook feeds and our Instagram feeds and Pinterest boards, it looks to so many women like other women's lives are kind of moving along more swimmingly. Their families are beautiful. Their vacations Mm -hmm. look amazing. Their homes look um, gorgeous. And what we're forgetting to keep in mind is that most of these photos are carefully curated, candid photos of life. But nonetheless, women are getting really caught up in, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough because my regular everyday life doesn't look like this. Yeah. And the one of the other busters I'll, I'll mention is, and I alluded to it, it's, it's the whirlwind of disappointments, right? That life just doesn't happen to move along for us the way we dreamt it would. It, it's not matching the vision that we had of it. And so many uncontrollables in life can come our way. For example, um, maybe my spouse isn't the person that I thought he would be, or one of my kids is struggling with, you know, some kind of a diagnosis that puts pressure on our family. Or because of my work, I've allowed myself to get out of shape and, you know, the pounds are starting to accumulate. And gosh, this isn't what I thought life was going to be like. I and and I'm disappointed and and when I'm disappointed I, I lose my confidence and then I get kind of caught up into that idea of I'm not enough. And I hear that I, I just hear that so regularly from women that they feel like they're not enough. Yeah. So that's what chips away. You know, that's what really chips away at confidence. And so how do we build it? How do we cultivate confidence within us? I would say that the, the very first step is that we, we first recognize that confidence is not a trait within us. It's not something that we either have or don't have. It really is a skill that we can build. And the first thing that I would say to any woman is decide that you want to work on your confidence. Make, make that decision. Put that stake in the ground. Take it on as a bit of an initiative, just as you would to you know, learn how to, how to take good pictures with a, with a nice camera. So take small steps. A lot of confidence grows with progress. And so if there's some part of my life where I'm lacking confidence, if I can start making progress by taking one step at a time, what I'll find in that area of life is my confidence will grow. And if our confidence grows in an area of our life, then our overall confidence can begin to grow. So taking small steps is a way to cultivate confidence. We have to keep social media feeds in perspective. We, and that pairs with managing our self-talk. We simply have to remember that life, real life happens between photos. 
And photos are just a, a blip in time and everyone can stop and smile for a photo. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when the photo is taken, we get back to, you know, we kind of get back to our regular life. So those are some ideas. And I list several more confidence cultivators in my book if, you know, anyone wants to take a deeper dive. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Sounds so helpful uh, and relevant to our day and age. Alita, if you would to sum up your book and to want to share that one thing with the listener or reader who, who wanted to pick it up and they had just one thing to take away from it, what would that be? Well, I, I would say if you're someone who right now feels overwhelmed by your day-to-day -day life and underwhelmed by where you see yourself going, in other words, you just don't believe that you're someone whose dreams will come true, or maybe you don't even know what your dreams are. This book will help the reader to kind of turn their self-doubt into confidence, turn their overwhelmingness, I say, in, I say in, in kind of the description, into a roadmap. And if we have a plan, we're better than if we don't. So kind of net that out if you're overwhelmed by where you are underwhelmed by where you're going this book will help give you a roadmap for for a better i think a better sense of order in your current day and hope for a better future it is a kind of a roll up your sleeves do work kind of a book it's not boy i'm gonna settle in with a glass of wine and you know escape <laughs> into a a world of make believe for a couple hours. No, this is a do work kind of a book. That's great. Well, again, very helpful for our listeners and readers. And um, I think a lot of people are obviously already benefiting from your book. So thank you for sharing those details about it. Alita, let's talk a bit more about your influences. Who has influenced you the most to be who you are today, uh, helping women and, and others become leaders? When I look back on my childhood, I did not have an idyllic childhood, but my best influences came out of my childhood. So my mom left our family when I was eight years old, and that led to a really strong presence of my grandparents and a favorite aunt and uncle, right? And everybody has a favorite aunt and uncle. Yeah. <laughs> well, my grandparents were two of the kindest people on this earth who I've ever known. And actually, as I'm saying this, I have to add my dad to that mix as well. So my dad, my grandparents, and my aunt and uncle. So I was really blessed because I had this close family unit of these five adults. And these were five adults who never raised their voice. They were never angry. They were kind. They were non-judgmental and for so much of my childhood i was being taught that we could respond to difficulties in life by remaining calm and that we could also day in and day out simply be nice to people and i really valued that a lot and, and it was when I got out into my own adult life that I realized not everybody was like the five kind of key adults in my childhood. And I do talk, I talk a lot in my book about 
those traits of kindness and calmness and being daymakers to people rather than daybreakers, because all of that was emulated to me when I was just, you know, a young girl in my formative years. Mm, thank you for sharing that, Alita. What about a failure in, can you speak to something specific that maybe you learned from growing up or that you can share with a listener that might encourage them? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my failure matches the failure of, unfortunately, too many people. And for me, my failure was, it was not only the end of, of one marriage, but it was the end of two marriages. And when I think back to my 22-year-old college graduate self, and I remember distinctly the day that I was kind of mapping out my life goals because I was, I was reading a book. This was new information for me. I was impressionable, and, and I was reading about having goals in your life. So I created this fantastic adult life for myself on paper and got married, was planning to, to be married, have children, buy a house, travel, have a wonderful white picket fence story. <laughs> and 11 years later, my marriage ended. And, and that was after six years of difficulty in marriage. And that was, you know, I would call that a failure. And I remarried and another marriage ended. And holy smokes, I know the difficulty that people have in navigating divorce and even the ending of a significant relationship. I did the first one fairly well, but the second one, that, that one really did me in. <laughs> and that that was what led me to, you know, one day say, oh my gosh, I, like I have to use this. I'm not the only person. I have the wherewithal to kind of claw myself out of a bad situation and find my spark again, but not every woman can do that. Yeah. So I decided in the kind of midst of my darkest time that I get myself out of there and then I would use it for good. And that, you know, that's where I am today with the book and other things as well. Oh, so incredible. Well, thank you for sharing those personal stories mm -hmm. of encouragement. What about a favorite quote, Aliyah? Anything stand out? Something maybe you live by? Well, I, one of the things that I live by is it won't always be that it, it won't always be like this. And I, I, I don't know that that's a quote of any person. If it is, I'm, I'm sorry to say that I can't quote them, <laughs> but I say that so many times to so many people who are in a moment of disappointment or despair or sadness or grief. I say this over and over and over again to people. It, it won't always be like this, you know, and, and even in our good times, right? We have to be really careful about the times that are really good because sometimes the really good times also, it's not always like this. And we have to learn as human beings, we have to learn to be pretty agile and to know that, Life has a lot of ups and downs within kind of that whole journey that we all walk. Yeah, so true. Love that quote. Thank you for sharing it. Mm -hmm. Alita, would you mind speaking a little bit more about the book writing process just to give our listeners some tips and tricks if they were interested in writing a book? Anything stand out that you could share? Something maybe you wish you'd known before you started writing that you know now? Well, so there's two things that come to my mind about this. But first of all, what I would say is everybody should write a book. 
you know, because everybody, and it's, this is kind of a cliche, but everybody has a book inside of them. Yeah. And it's, I, I think if I kind of went back years and years and years ago, I, I did not realize the degree to which any kind of lay person in the world could in fact write and publish a book. What helped me finally take a step forward was a book that I had read um, by a, a young woman who was running a nonprofit. And she, in her book, wrote about her book writing process. And she said, all I needed was a desk and a chair. And I thought, oh, I have a desk and I have a chair. <laughs> and then, of course, we have a computer that sits on the desk. So I could do this. I could just start writing. But here's what really matters for everyone is that we don't have to be good writers to write a book because I'll tell you, I am so grateful to my editor, Terry Capshaw, who took a manuscript that was written by just a regular person, me, <laughs> and she turned, I'd even call it a bad manuscript into a book that women are enjoying reading. So I want everyone to know that you don't have to be a good writer to write a book because that's why the world has editors. So that I, I think that's, that's what I want everyone to know. And if I, if I had known that sooner, I would have written a book sooner than what I did. But I was scared to death of how terrible my book would be. Well, that's so encouraging, definitely for those who might be scared in that same situation. So I appreciate you sharing it. What about writer's block, Alita? Did, did you experience that while you were writing your book? And if so, what did you do to overcome it? Well, so yes, so certainly. And what I tried to do is write 500 words a day. Now, a book, some people, you know, might not know this, but an average, kind of an average book today is 40,000 words. And, and there are books that are way longer than that, like Harry Potter. And then there are books probably that are fewer words than that. What I did is once I created my table of contents, I set up a writing schedule that every day I would write 500 words. And some days I wrote more. Weekends, I might crank out three, three to 5,000 words over a weekend. I wrote my book in two months. Well, I wrote a, a I wrote a bad manuscript in two months is really, is really what I did. But here's what helped with the writer's block is the the program that I that I kind of signed up for to help me write my book called Author Academy Elite. We're advised is just write. Don't worry if it's good or bad. Just write. And so I didn't have too much difficulty at least cranking out 500 words a day by just saying, okay, so here's my chapter. My chapter is confidence. What, what do I want to write about? Um, what, what is within me relative to stories? Um, oh, but here, this is probably a, a more pertinent answer to your question. The other thing that I did is I would say, okay, I'm going to look at 10 blogs on the topic. So if my chapter was about cultivating confidence, I just, would look at read 10 blogs. That's all I would do. I would read them. I wouldn't take notes. I wouldn't highlight. I just read them to add some additional 
context into my brain. And then equipped with that, I'd go back, kind of go back to my computer and see what would just flow from me. So writer's block wasn't as big a problem for me, I think only because I'm pretty strategic and can throw some of those hacks into the process. Yeah, that's great. Those are great tips. That preparation, kind of sidestepping into research and stepping away for a minute helped you, it seemed. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, what would you say has been the most difficult part about writing a book for you, Alita? So the editing process was painstaking. Mm. I'm going to talk. It was really painstaking. So, but the, the most important part. So again, I, so I wrote the manuscript in two months and then it was in editing for about six months. And I went through three iterations of editing. And again, for anyone who, you know, might be contemplating writing a book, it might be helpful. I, I, I'll share what I did. So there's a kind of editing called line-by-line line editing. And what my editor did is she would take a chapter and she would go through the entire chapter separate from me, show all of her changes she would send it to me, but then we would get on the phone together and we would go through the chapters sentence by sentence by sentence. And, you know, she made a variety of suggestions for me, which I really appreciated. We did end of life two chapters in their entirety. That was pretty painful Hmm. to just simply say, as the book is progressing, you know what, we have to up-level the book. These chapters are flat. Let's get rid of them. Let's bring in some new content. That was painful, right? Because that's quite a bit of work down the down the drain. Yeah. But I was happy to do it because I wanted to. I wanted to have a good book. Then from there, I we got to the end of line by line editing, which took us about, I'd say it took us three months. And then I had a realization, and my realization was that my editor was being too careful to not hurt my feelings as an author. And I went back to her and I pushed and I said, you would have changed more if you weren't worried about hurting my feelings, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, then I'm going to hire you to go back to the beginning and I want you to rewrite my book. And so we did another kind of deep dive and she probably rewrote about 30% of it and really up-leveled it, which I appreciated because she's a, she's a, a professional writer and I'm not. And she brought the book to life. And what might be interesting to people is she probably got rid of 50% of my personal stories. And that's a mistake that some writers make, I believe, is that the reader really is interested in your life the way that you think they should be. So a lot of my stories came out. And again, at the end, I saw that to be a really good thing because this isn't about me. And, And then there was a final copy edit that happened, you know, to ensure that punctuation and and so on was accurate typos and so on. That was pain. I mean, that whole process was really painful. At the end, I was like, okay, enough already. Let's just, you know, let's just get this puppy out on the market. Well, good stuff. Well, you got through it, obviously, and uh, congrats again on it. So (laughs) Uh, (laughs) thank you. I asked you about the most difficult part about writing a book, Alita. What about the best part of writing a book now that it's been published and it's out there? What would you say the best part has been for you? The best part has been the reception. And I get messages every day from people saying, 
oh my gosh, I've been reading your book. I love it. It's really helped me. I met with a group of women yesterday and they all had read the book and they one by one by one were sharing what really spoke to them in the book. And that's really fulfilling for me because if I can help any woman who picks up this book, if I can help her by reaching her with even one thing in the book, then I'm really happy about that because I really do want women to find a way in their life to be happier than they are today because most people are really searching for happiness and confidence and sense of purpose. So that's very fulfilling. Yeah, that's a great mission, Alita. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Just one more question here before we get to where the listeners can connect with you online. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. And so if you wanted to share anything else, or if you could step in my shoes and ask yourself something that I didn't, what would that be? Okay. So you could ask me how writing a book disrupts all the habits and rituals of life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it, I just now, and it's, it's shameful, but I'm just now getting myself back on track with my workout routine and some of the other routine and rituals that I have in my life for self-care because this one year of writing this book and I've created some companion services to go with it, it it really has propelled me into a a year. I've called it the year that wasn't because <laughs> I've been at you know, aside from my day job, I've been at my computer from sunup till sundown. And I decided to forfeit a year to advance this passion project. And that's pretty much what I did. Yeah, well, I know it's paid off for you and it will pay off for our listeners and readers. So thank you for spending that time. And I guess want to close with where the listeners can connect with you online and what you're up to next. Well, my website online is alitanorris.com, and that's A-L-E-T-A, Norris, like Chuck Norris, alitanorris.com. I am just um, two weeks away from launching an online course called The Women Who Spark Bootcamp. That is a 12-week process for women to put a life plan with goal setting in place. Essentially, it's kind of a life up leveling process. So very excited about that. So the first, yeah, the first group starts on the 20th. And uh, we've got 40 women who are signed up for that boot camp, which is very exciting. And um, depending upon when you air this, the boot camp registration closes on October 15th. The bootcamp information is alitanorris.com forward slash bootcamp. Just, just in case, even for now or the future, because I'll run this bootcamp every spring and every fall. So that, that's pretty exciting. I just started a nonprofit called the Women Who Spark Foundation. And we'll have a fundraising, obviously, angle to that. And then we will be providing grants to women who have kind of short-term unexpected financial hardship. So we'll be, we'll be offering SPARK grants for women and women can nominate women to receive those SPARK grants. And the last thing that I would just add is I have a 
Facebook community that is really surprising me. I started this on May 1st. For any of the listeners who are on Facebook, this community is called Women Who Spark Tribe. And we've got 1,400 women in it. 30 to 50 women every day are joining this community. And it's been a wonderful place for women to come together and share encouragement and support, positivity, inspiration, um, and so on. And so I've been pleasantly surprised by how much this community means to the women who are in it. And um, I'm just, I'm thrilled by it because it's making a difference for women. They're looking for that. So there it is. It's, it's right on Facebook. Awesome. Wow. You've got a lot going on and obviously helping a lot of people, Alita. So keep up the amazing work. Congrats again on the book. Again, it's been so awesome to talk to you. I really appreciate all your, all your time. It's my pleasure. And thank you as well, Erin. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about Women Who Spark. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.